Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. What's happening, Rush Nation? It's Murph here. It's Thursday. Um, no stocks today. Stocks is uh, still trying to, uh, well, he's, he's still working hard. Uh, don't know how long that situation is going to work out for him, but he is still working. So, uh, and with me uh, in lockdown, a job that's not deemed important um, means that I've got a little bit more time in my hand, even though I am working. Um, but I never like to be alone. So I brought back a brilliant guest, one of my favorites from last year, uh, to come on. Uh, he's the author of the Fancy Football Consistency Guide, which is the winner of the 2018 Football Sports Writers Association Best Fantasy Football Publication. He's also the head of Big Guy Sports. Bob Lung, welcome back to Five Yard Rush. How are you doing? Good to have, good to be back. Good to uh, see faces. Um, <laughs> good to see you, Murph. <laughs> I know that, uh, you know, like my wife said, the weirdest thing about this whole virus thing is that the whole world is affected by it. It's not just us. It's not just you. It's not Italy. It's not China. It's everybody. So no matter where you turn, um, you know that uh, you guys are having the same issues as we are. Um, maybe different levels, different scenarios based on where you live and how close to the inner city you are. But it is what it is. And uh, it's tough. Uh, it's not fun. But the good thing is, is that we can still talk sports um, and we can 
and that's what we're going to do today. So thanks again for having me on. Always a pleasure. Oh, no, it, it's absolutely a pleasure. And it's a bit of a, uh, a strange time for, for everybody. Most of us lot inside. It's nice to talk to people on video chat. And, uh, <laughs> right. you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because uh, I was listening to the Tom Brady press conference. And uh, it's amazing to listen to a press conference. We just held over a conference call. There, there was no video. Um, mm-hmm. So as a Tampa Bay Bucks fan, you get really excited about you know the 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 quarterback that you kind of dream of always playing for you, sure. and then you're like, okay, and then it's just it's just hearing the hearing the the questions. It's just like this is such a weird uh, way of doing it, but uh, at least when we do this, we can see each other, and uh, right. it makes it a little bit more interactive. But yeah, it's it's great. So you mentioned the coronavirus uh, for people in the UK. Obviously, we're all on lockdown. Right. What's it like over there? I know we spoke a little bit off air, but for, mm-hmm. for everyone listening, what's it like out there uh, right now? Uh, I take it it's obviously not quite the same levels as it is here, but it, it looks like it's going to be heading that way, right? Well, the interesting thing is they have given each governor of the state uh, the the free will, if you call, to make the decisions of what they want to shut down and not shut down. Um, our state, which is Ohio, I live in the Canton area, which is close to Cleveland. Um, uh, our, our governor has been very forward, very aggressive with the shutdowns. Um, in fact, it appears like we shut down things first and then others follow. Uh, so we have been in a full shutdown just for basically a few days. Uh, but a lot of restaurants, bars, um, various things like that where people meet were shut down weeks ago uh, because they wanted to stop it, the growth from happening quickly. And, and it's paid off. We're definitely one of the slower states uh, in growth. Um, and even though we have a we have a, you know, a, certainly a fair amount of population, we're not New York City. You know, we're not Texas. We're not, you know, any of those big, big cities. Cleveland's probably our biggest next to Columbus. But we've definitely, from a percentage standpoint, have kept things down, uh, which has been helpful. I know at first a lot of people were mad at the the governor for being too aggressive. Now a lot of them, of course, are taking a different stance and going, good call. Um, and I'm all behind that as well. I mean, this is not something to play around with. Um, and I think it makes sense. Yes, it's going to hurt the economy. We'll rebound. We'll get back. Um, but you know, right now, um, this is a big deal and we, we can't take it lightly and we can't, uh, even though some have, and I, you know, we have the same people in our state and our country here doing the same stupid stuff, you know, especially the millennials down there at spring break time, thinking that, you know, now life's to one big party. Now that one big party could affect a lot of your friends, relatives, and family. So be smart, stay home, uh, go only go out when you need to. Um, you know, if you just practice the the stuff that they're telling you to practice, it's not difficult. Just listen, people. It's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I completely agree. And it's it's a strange thing here because the one thing that we had here in the same way that, that Cleveland had is you've had a, a bit of an advanced warning because you've seen right. what this has done to other countries. And mm. we, our ministers here keep referring to, we are where we were. So we're three weeks behind where Italy were. And right. that's kind of where we're right. trending in, in that direction. And it just seems to be that the instructions we get are just very confusing. So they've now made it abundantly clear. Now, I mean, to people like me, I understood it very quickly, stay at home. Um, but there is still some confusion about what is deemed as uh, essential workers. So it's like, actually, who should be going to work and who shouldn't? Mm-hmm. We have retailers this morning. Uh, we have one retailer here who owns um, 
Newcastle United football team. He he mm. also owns a load of uh, uh, sports leisure companies, uh, cycle companies, etc. And he was going to open his stores this morning, even after this lockdown was announced, because he says, well, if you're allowed out for exercise, you need exercise equipment. Therefore, <laughs> people will want to go to shops and buy exercise equipment. And whilst there was obviously no definitive saying that like every retail shop is going to close unless you sell x it was pretty clear that it was meant to be supermarkets pharmacy right essential goods and uh, eventually they didn't open but they they were going to up until about 40 minutes before opening time that they were going to open and so that's uh some of the the things that we have here we have construction workers who are still going to work you self-employed but we have a lot of things here that have been put into place um the government any uh person that's that is going to lose their job as a result of the uh, the coronavirus is being asked to be held on by their employer, and their employer is going to get a government subsidy of eighty percent of that person's nice. salary. Good, good. Well, that's good. I mean, that, you know, and that's what you got to do because you know these poor people um, that are in those situations, it's not their fault, and it's not the business's fault. Um, but you know, it's it's tough decisions. But I'm glad they. At least it appears most governments are, are are backing those kind of things, and and that's what we have to do. We have to, you know, we have to be a team, just like in sports. We have to be a team, and you know, sometimes the management of the team has to make tough decisions and keep people on that they don't want to. <laughs> and uh, you know, but I think that's what it's got to come down to. No, I, I agree. So let's move on to what you've been working on then. So what you know, you came on last year. We talked about the the guide right. in twenty nineteen, uh, hugely successful. Uh, yes. Thoroughly enjoyed it. We pushed it out to a few people. We even bought a few copies for people to gave them away as prizes as well. So Great. thank you. Um, a lot of people uh, definitely definitely benefit from that here in the UK, and we want to grow it even more in twenty twenty. But what have you been working on uh, since since we last spoke? Well, obviously the twenty twenty guide is in full force. Um, I was planning, um, even a month ago, I was planning on this year being, a, once again, around the May 1st time frame for its release, which is normally pretty early for most fantasy guides. But because I, I focus so little on the rookies being drafted coming in um, and focus on the consistency of the, the veteran players that are have a year or more on, on board, um, I really, you know, May 1st worked out well. Um, but... With the um, kind of um, uh, nudging of a, a few of my uh, followers and readers and, and folks on the Twitter world said, Bob, now would be a perfect time for you to get the guide out much, much earlier. Um, help a brother out here. And so I, I t- I've taken it upon myself uh, with this time at home and, and a little less work to have to do for real job that I'm working very hard. And my goal is to get it out as early in April as I can. Um, I'm not going to set a date because that that makes it too difficult, but uh, but definitely well before May 1st, uh, maybe early April for sure. Uh, Get it out. Obviously, the draft won't have happened yet, but I will update it after that. Uh, But probably we'll try to share it, you know, sell it, obviously, but more share it with people. Just say, hey, guys, you know, all my friends out there, you guys, everybody that uh, I've, you know, supported me in the past, you know, here's a free PDF copy read it, write about it, you know, uh, promote it. Um, it will be probably for sale on Amazon as well, but I'll update it after the draft is over and keep it up to date through the summer as I've always done in the past. But so that's what I'm trying to do. Try to get it out a little early for everybody to have something to read or do while they're, uh, hanging out here at home, uh, probably driven, dri- being driven crazy by their kids, wives, spouses, et cetera. So, uh, but 
you know, that's, that's kind of the goal right now is to get it out a little bit early. Uh, the one thing we were going to do, and that got kind of shot down, is we were going to do – we have created a consistency model for head-to-head fantasy baseball. And we've uh, started writing articles. We do have it online as well. You can see how consistent the uh, baseball players were at their various positions last year. And I think it was back to 2016 data. And we were really hot and heavy into that. And then the world shut down. So until baseball kicks back in again, that'll be on hold. Uh, But we're really excited to get that uh, put out there and have both of them running full force this summer when both sports are running at full force. So that's what's going on, man. Thanks. No, awesome. Just a side note on that, though, with baseball, because of everything that's going on with the sign stealing scandal with the Astros and and what was going, do when it comes to their metrics, do you – Obviously, you got to post them as they are because they are what they are, right? right. Numbers but, are numbers. The past is the past, right? Yeah. yeah. But I mean, you know, it's weird. It's it's going to be interesting to see how teams react to them. You know, it's just it's one of those things where you just kind of I don't I don't know what to expect because I'm not there. I'm not in that world as as heavy as I am football. Um, you know, there's going to be some animosity. There's no question. Maybe this whole virus thing will kind of calm everybody down to stop being so petty. Um, yeah, I get it. It appears they cheated. All right. Well, you know what? It appeared that the Patriots cheated for some, you know, some things too. And there's many other teams that have done things. And sign stealing has been going on in Major League Baseball for years. Um, you know, it's probably gotten a little bit more technical uh, with technology and that kind of stuff. And obviously, I think the uh, Astros proved that. But that's something that's going on in baseball since baseball started, you know, any advantage you can get um, legal or not legal, depending on how you uh, interpret it, it's been going on. So yeah, they may have taken it to an excessive level, but it is what it is. Yeah. I think uh, it's an interesting story. I would like to see their world series title stripped of them. And um, I think more for the approach of they were like, sorry, not sorry kind of thing. uh, As opposed to, I think if they just come out and, and owned up and said, you know, we did this. Um, I think it probably would have swallowed a little bit easier. And I think that's why people are up in arms. But exactly. uh, luckily, we don't have those things in pro sports anymore. We've, <laughs> right. we've managed to inflate balls properly. And, uh, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, nobody's getting paid to injure players anymore like they used to. And right. <laughs> all those right. things are out of the game. So um, let's get back to fantasy football then in terms sure. of 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, How did it go for you? What was your season like uh, last year? It was a good season. Um, you know, using my model, I was in 23 head-to-head, um, you know, leagues, uh, and I made the playoffs in 17 of them. And obviously a lot of them are expert leagues against, you know, folks like you, me, um, you know, various other levels of uh, stuff, Kings Classic, those kind of things we put together. So I feel like it was a very good year. I mean, that's my goal every year is to make the playoffs as in, as in as many leagues as I can. Do I want to win them all? Absolutely but I feel like the consistency model is to help you to get to the playoffs. You can't win a championship. if You don't make the playoffs. That's why I try to tell people. They're like, you know, should I get this guy? Should I get that guy? You know, he's had some huge games and I'm like, yeah, but the goal is you have to make the playoffs. And so that's where the consistency I think always kind of helps. That is that extra one or two games, which a lot of people will say, I missed the playoffs by one or two games. All right. Well, you know, what happened? Well, you know, there was these weeks that my team took a dump and, and you start looking at the players and they're very inconsistent. And I say, well, next year, try to try to look for, 
maybe a different person that in that round that's a little has a little better consistency level and you know it's helped me certainly in my number of years that I've been using it and that's what that's what we're trying to promote with the with the guide and the website no it is and it, it does come across and it makes more sense we did a bit of a, a deep dive um i looked at um a points above streaming metric i've created so basically i created a streaming model where i picked the best available free agent in each position last year averaged them out across the year so just based on uh, me picking them because it's easy to go back retrospectively and pick the best free agent every single right. week, but you're not <laughs> going to make that decision at right. that time. You're not going to get it right every time. Right. So I figured by tracking it in live view, putting my waiver wire picks mm. um, and I set myself a bar at 30%. So 30% ownership, none of this 60%, 50%. Right, right, right. You know, you got to challenge yourself because like you said, we play in good leagues with good players. Right, right, right. Sure. So, the ownership levels are going to be uh, higher on these guys. Um, right. So you need to find the, the needle in the haystack. So I figured mm-hmm. 30% is a good level um, and took that model and basically create a, a, a metric on, on that. And it, it varies up very similarly with your consistency model because mm. it looks at points above streaming and it looks about consistency and mm-hmm. you'll have those boom weeks. But if those bus weeks, you know, really lower you down and there's so many players strewed upon it, um, you know, Deshaun Watson's an excellent example. Right, where, sure. Okay, right. yeah, he finished very high, but he had a lot of bus weeks because he he was so inconsistent. He turned the ball over, he got right. sacked a lot, he missed time, didn't make throws right. and, and things like that. So Yeah. I remember the one a couple of years ago, and I, I'd like to get back into looking at this, but I did a, a metrics on the one-week wonders. So you're looking at anybody who placed like in the top 10 at their position for the week that were probably under 50% owned in most leagues. And then what happened the next couple of weeks? And I think that I want to say it was as high as 70 or 80% of them did not earn a clutch game the next week, let alone two or three weeks down the road. And very few put in, you know, uh, even had a 50% consistency after that big week the rest of the season. So, you know, every once in a while you, you'll pick one, you'll get one like a Terry McLaurin or somebody like that. But more often than not, they are what they are. The one week wonder. And then they, you know, you play them for three more weeks, they frustrate the hell out of you. And then you toss them to the curb and try to find the next magical person. And that's the thing is that's what, that's what will kill fantasy teams. And, you know, again, that's what we're trying to promote is, yeah, waiver wire, you got to work it. You got to find those 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 needles in the haystack. But really, when it comes right down to it, most of them aren't going to save your team. Every once in a while, they will. Devontae Parker this past year finally was that savior for a lot of people. But, you know, how many people may have picked him up and then after his, you know, a bad week, threw him back, said, well, that's typical Devontae Parker. He actually kept it going this year, which is was, was a big surprise to all of us. But, yeah. you know, he certainly was one of our inconsistent love childs from the past, and we didn't want anything of him. And he may have helped some teams this year for once. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's the really interesting point is we always tell people the, the, the easiest way to lose at fantasy football is to pull up the 2019 or 2018 points, <laughs> look at where everybody finished and with right. absolutely no insight and go, oh, well, Aaron Rodgers was the QB7 so or QB8 last year, so right. I'm going to plump for him because he's good and he was the right. QB8, so that will All do. Right. And actually you think, well, he was garbage <laughs> a lot of the time. He just had a couple <laughs> of really good weeks. Right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and picked it up. Um, so in terms of for you then, looking at 2019 as a whole, you made a high percentage of playoffs. What right. are you going to do differently in 2020 to see an increase on that based on 
uh, based on what learnings from, from last year? Yeah, that's a good question. I think one of the things I'm going to try to do this year is uh, we've added some new writers on the baseball side, but some of them have football experience as well. And, you know, one of the things I've always wanted to look at were um, the, you know, in the, the, uh, consistency guide in the player profiles one of the uh, metrics you'll see is the one that's called uh, consistency versus defense I call it game scenarios home and away and then against good defenses or a bad defense or something in between and in trying to use that more diligently in picking my week-to-week choices of, of, you know, or helping others make that choice of, hey, I've got a choice this week between this number three receiver and this number three receiver. What should I do? And going to that data and say, well, let's see. Well, this guy's playing at home against a, an average defense. This guy's playing on the road against a bad defense. Well, who has better historical data against that scenario? And then kind of put that into play for helping those, you know, weekly start sit questions. Uh, because we're all looking for an advantage in weeks, you know, those start sit questions. And it's those guys, the RB2s, the flex, the wide receiver three, the, you know, bye weeks hit. So now I got to put something in for my starters. Uh, those are when the decisions make the difference between that, that win or that, that loss that could get you into the playoffs. So I definitely want to use that more this year. I'm going to be working with some programmer guys to try to create almost a program that you could go in and pick, you know, Hey, this is week seven and I've got these three players on the waiver wire or on my bench. And you know, who has the best game scenario and what historically says that this should be the week to play that guy. And and so we're hoping to do that and use that a little bit more on the in season stuff. Um, and, and it, and the data has been there. Like I said, it's in the guide. I just never have had the opportunity to really use it on a week to week basis, but, with some new writers on board and some smart guys, I'm hoping one of them can kind of be that person that can champion that throughout the, throughout the year. That'd be amazing. Cause I think, you know, the one question I get from anybody who, who knows me and, and reaches out to me is how do you know what metrics are the good ones and which ones give you the advantage? Cause everybody's got data now. Everyone creates metrics. Everybody does this. Everybody does that. Right. And I think what you, what you said there is like stripping it back to basics. Who has an advantage over each opponent every single week? Right. And taking into account home and away, because right. we we can look at we can look at data points. We can look at how people's efficiency goes and improves during games, or mm-hmm. uh, looking at stat counts, or looking at box scores, or looking at all these different metrics to try and determine everything. But ultimately, it is game that matters. It's why streaming is such a popular approach for defenses and and quarterbacks because they look at the week to week matchups. So people are looking at the matchups, but they're not doing it for the rest of the lineup. So. I think that kind of data will, will give people a significant edge um, for sure. So while we were on the gut, you really hit on some players last year that you were higher on than consensus. Um, I've not got all of them because there were a lot, but I've highlighted a few. Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, Mark Ingram, Julian Edelman, Jarvis Landry, Jared Cook were all players that you were significantly higher on than, than consensus expert consensus. Without giving away the special source, how do you <laughs> process to get these guys and, and manage to get these guys predicted more accurately and be able to sort of sift out where people are going, well, you know, I'm not sure on situation, not sure on fit. And you've gone, well, these guys are just, they're good. They're going to do the job. Right. Well, first off, um, as much as I love to say it's magical, it's not magical. It's just basic data, but putting that data together 
um, with the consistency model, you know, consistency information that I have, you know, the one thing that I do have, if it's magic is, is this data and, and this historical amount of information. So like, you know, let's look at a couple of examples you brought up. I mean, Julian Edelman um, for years has been one of the most consistent wide receivers with Tom Brady at the helm. As long as he's healthy and he's on the field, he, he puts up, you know, massive numbers. And so, you know, last year when I listed him as the number six receiver in my rankings ahead of Michael Thomas, okay, maybe not the best choice, but, but still, but as high as he was, people are like, how can, how can you put Edelman number six, this guy, you know, he's a one trick pony. All he does is catch, you know, he's a PPR machine, but blah, blah, blah. He doesn't do this, doesn't do that. And I said, well, you know, last three years when he was healthy, he was in the 80 to 90 percentile range. That's going to put him up there. If he plays all 16 games, he's going to get the numbers because that's what he is. And, uh, you know, I, I said, I think I was writing my profile and I said, I'm disappointed. He didn't end up sixth. He was seventh. Uh, <laughs> but, but in, you know, the sarcasm is that, you know, that was something I identified. Now, Michael Thomas obviously ended up number one. I put him seventh. So I missed that one. But it's not like I said that. Michael Thomas is going to have a bad year. It's just that the year before his consistency was only 75%, which put him more in the, you know, seven to 10 range, not number one. Obviously he got a hell of a lot more targets, hell of a lot more, you know, and he's, and he proved he's a great player and, and both Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Brees certainly relied on him. Um, you know, now they add Emmanuel Sanders this year. What does that do to Thomas? My thought is while it gives him the ability to, you know, get less double teams, it also may give him the ability to have less targets because they can spread the ball around a little bit more with Jared Cook there and Emmanuel Sanders and, and Kamara. Um, so he might see a downgrade a little bit, which I'm expecting a little bit of a regression, but he'll, he might get bigger pass plays because he'll have single coverage, not double coverage. So it's all those kind of things of tying that all together and finding that uh, scenario. Chris Carson was a guy who was, a, if you remember, I was super high on and, because I, I showed that in like the six or eight games that he had more than 20 touches in a game, he was averaging like 17 fantasy points a game. So, and he was going as like an RB2, maybe ranked 20th, 24th. Um, he ended the year like 12th. Uh, so he wasn't, he didn't really, didn't perfectly hit the RB1 numbers I was thinking that he could hit. But, you know, he was still a very good value based on where we were drafting him at. And so, again, finding those little points, you know, data points of, who, where, when, you know, and then say, okay, now if they do this all year, because now that's what the system is set up for them, um, then that consistency should come from that um, and, and, and not be a, not be an issue. So that's kind of how I use it. I kind of using extra data to kind of match up with my data and then make those decisions. And, you know, sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're wrong. Nobody is perfect in this game. We all know that. So, um, you know, we just try to hope that, uh, our, our model is finding something that's a little bit different than somebody else's model and help some people win, you know, make the playoffs or win a championship that uh, they may have not have with just looking at, like you said, the uh, year to date total points data. Yeah, absolutely. And to be fair, your, your analysis of Carson was spot on. If he'd held on to the ball a little bit more. Yeah, right. If he doesn't fumble then, every freaking game, that would help too. it doesn't open the door to Penny, <laughs> then you're in. So, right. you know, the analysis and everything was spot on. It just, he made some errors and right. it, it knocked him down, I reckon, five, six spots. I reckon he yeah, would have been. Right. Yeah, right. Sure. But uh, that's the game of what ifs. Um, right. But having said that, there were, there were some players last year um, that you were sort of lower on than consensus and ended up having pretty decent years. 
Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, which I think the whole world was, uh, <laughs> Derek Henry, and um, and Odell Beckham Jr. Right. So, I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. was one you got right, but in terms of uh, Allen, Lamar Jackson, D- Derek Henry, how what what changes in the process for this year? in terms of to not just get those guys perhaps a bit close, because especially with the quarterbacks, they're, they're right. now two years in, you've got more data, right. which should reset. But um, just to identify those those players like Henry, for example, to, to get them a little bit more right, what what changes to, to allow that? Well, the, you know, just like looking at the changes to the system or the, or the player moving into a different system that define the, the successes that we talked about, also things can happen that, you look at a player and go, well, in this scenario, as he sits, we don't expect him to be much more than that. Derrick Henry is a perfect example of when the quarterback changes and now you have a actually decent quarterback that can keep teams at bay and not focus on putting 18 guys in the box to stop Derrick Henry like they did with Mariota because Mariota wasn't scaring anyone. Um, All of a sudden, Things open up in system, and and you know, so and, but nobody would have predicted that, you know. Yeah, we saw that they took Tannehill in the offseason to be a backup, but did anybody expect by week six that Tannehill would take over and they would win, you know, eight straight games, make the playoffs, and scare the hell out of the Patriots, you know, <laughs> or you know, beat the Patriots and and almost made it to the Super Bowl? No, nobody's nobody saw that coming. I don't even think Ryan Tannehill saw that coming. Um, <laughs> but. It's those kind of things when they change, you know, after the season starts, um, you know, Lamar Jackson, again, like you said, um, and, and, I don't, and so going back to your original question, the one thing I try to look at when I get things wrong is, did I get it wrong or did everybody get it wrong? <laughs> if I get it wrong, then I have to look at myself and say, okay, what did I not see coming that everybody else did? But I said, I refuse to accept that very, you know, it it doesn't happen that often. You know, like you said, uh, Lamar Jackson, I can't remember too many people that thought Lamar Jackson was going to be as good as he was. And it was all because we looked at tape. We saw some of his throws. He's making the preseason. They were terrible, but you know, it worked out well for them. So, um, you know, again, what you learn from is that things can change. Um, you've got to make the best decision on what the data you have, the situation, the line, the the coaching, you know, all those aspects that come into that, and then make that decision of is that going to be higher or lower for his value in this upcoming year, and and uh, you know that's what we take forward into the 2020 edition and say, well, okay, you know maybe this guy's not as good. I don't know if we're going to talk about it later, but I'll bring up one I just wrote about this morning. So Kenyon Drake. A lot of people are super high on Kenyon Drake because he had some really massive games last year for Arizona. He's been made the number one guy. David Johnson's has gone. Um, and I, I've always been a Drake fan. But when I really started looking at those games that he was big and the games that he wasn't big in those eight games he played, what I realized was is that, um, you know, he had five games where he didn't earn – or I'm sorry, four games he didn't earn a clutch game. Well, those four games were against top, four top ten defenses. Um, the Rams, uh, or not the Rams, the uh, the Niners, the pay, or uh, the Steelers, and the Ravens. So you know he did have that big game against 49ers when he first came into play. Uh, but his good games were against Cleveland, Seattle. Those were his really big games. Both of them sucked defensively. So you know while when it really comes right down to it, he had like a 55% consistency during that time frame. 
well, that's not RB1 capabilities, you know, for a full season. So my, 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 I've kind of tempered my expectations and I have him now as an RB2, even though I had him like number 10 overall, I kind of moved him back to like 14 because I'm like, I'm not sure that he's, you know, really going to be uh, as, as big as uh, uh, those, some of those games showed he could be. And so I've kind of tempered expectations because of that and not put him in the RB1 status yet, even though I think there are going to be uh, many who will. So those are the kind of things I look at for sure. I think that's fair. And um, I think at the end of the day, sometimes there are situations that are a little too good to be true. I like, I like 14. I think that's a good place for him. If he ends up as the RB10, would anyone be shocked? Absolutely not. But I think that's a good range to put him in. So I would, you know, if you're thinking about draft perspective, if he's available late third, early fourth, that might be the kind of range right. that he becomes a, a value. Right. Yeah. I think that he's a definitely a third round value because especially if you're early pick, you're taking, you know, uh, McCaffrey, uh, Barkley, oh. Zeke, uh, one of those three guys. And then you get maybe at the two, three turn, you're getting a number one receiver and then, Drake is your RB2. I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a nice a nice strategy to go into uh, for this year. But I think if you're mm-hmm. drafting him, I, I was in a draft the other day and someone took him at the 111. And Ooh. I felt that was quite a reach. Um, but I think you're going to see that for now. I mean, you know, yeah. a lot of people are very super high on him and think that he can put up David Johnson two year ago numbers. I don't know if he's that good. I think he's good, but I don't know if he's that good. So no, nah, absolutely. Although I've been buying him in I've been buying him in dynasty leagues for third round picks and mm, that's not bad. That's about what I've been paying. Uh I think I paid a, a late second. I think it's the highest I paid for him in about four leagues I bought him. Okay. Um I mean it's sort of win now with both of those teams. So I figured mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be better than what I can get in a rookie draft. That's for sure. Right, right. So moving on to what's changed, we talked about one situation, um, Arizona, but let's talk about a few uh, a few more. So a uh, big one, obviously probably the biggest one of all right now is, is Tampa. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got Tom Brady moving to uh, the Buccaneers. What do you reckon that move means for him and then also the outlook for Evans, Godwin, Howard, uh, et cetera. I think for him, I think it's finally going to make him fantasy relevant. I mean, he hasn't been fantasy relevant for years as an as a QB one. Um, I have him ranked currently 12th in my rankings. I think that's a fair spot. Um, I think basically what you're going to see is you're going to see, you know, 4,500 yards. You're going to see 30 touchdowns. I don't think he throws any more touchdowns than Winston did last year. But what I think obviously you're going to see is a lot less interceptions. Um, you know, I, I remember hearing, I think it was on Sirius Radio, that last year the Buccaneers had seven games, seven or eight games where they lost by less than one touchdown. Yes. Um, so, you know, that's the mistake scenario. So my thought is, well, if they're winning those games, then they're not throwing as much because, you know, their defense has improved. Um, you know, I just think that they're going to be more of a game management. Um, so I kind of see Brady being a solid player. I think he'll be much more consistent than he's been because he has those weapons. Uh, I, and I think Godwin and Evans and, and those guys will all fare well as they have. I don't know if they're going to put up those massive big game numbers because I don't think they'll be as behind as often as they used to. They were in the, in the past because of, of uh, uh, Winston's mistakes. So I, I think – They'll be, they'll all be solid, but I don't know if you're going to see the the high total points from Godwin and Evans like you did this past year. Um, I think those will temper a little bit. I think their consistency will. 
be just as good, <clears throat> but I'm not sure you're going to see the, the the big big total points numbers. You know, a lot of people are excited for OJ Howard and and Brait. I, I, I again, Bruce Arians has never been a tight end guy, so we'll see. I think obviously OJ Howard has nowhere to go but up, <laughs> but I don't know if he'll you know be. I don't think you're going to see Gronk Hernandez numbers from years ago when when they had that scenario um i think they'll be okay but i don't i'm not getting too excited about the tight ends at this point i uh, i said on tuesday's show that actually if i was to buy a late round tight end cam break would be it yeah you, you got to look at the history right so ryan fitzpatrick preferred to throw to cameron break in the red zone mm-hmm. uh, james winston preferred to throw to cameron break in the red zone the guy's right. just taken a 1.5 million dollar uh discount off his contract to remain with the nice. team. And That's now good. he's and now he's playing with Tom Brady. And the way that Brady plays the game, again, I think he's more likely to target mm-hmm. Brait when it matters. Right. So I wouldn't be buying OJ Howard. I'd be right. buying Brait because I think you can get him practically free. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's a good call. You know, he's not going to put up those big numbers, like you say, but if you can get your 50 and a touchdown in but more weeks than not, that that right. will do you. Uh, right. He's the sort of guy I can see getting seven, eight touchdowns this year and right. uh, 50, 60 yards in, in those games. Yes, he's going to have some bus games, but we all know the tight end position outside of the top three or four players is a wash anyway. So right. uh, I, if you're going to be like me and not invest in the position, and just go for a guy, he's a guy that I would uh, I'd go for. So that's Definitely. a sneaky... Yeah, that's a good call. Sticky watch, especially right. in best ball. He might be mm-hmm. a, a definite late round because I think I've been picking him up in like the 20s, uh, like 20th, oh. 21st round of best balls. You're like, well, right. Right. this is this is very well on him. It doesn't matter if it doesn't hit. Right. Another situation to look at is Phil Rivers and the, and the Colts um, in terms of T.Y. Hilton, Jack Doyle, Marlon Mack, uh, and everyone else there. What do we think that situation is going to look like for for them now that Phil Rivers has come in over, over Dorset. <laughs> well, I'll read to you right out of the 2020 guide. <laughs> I said, Rivers continues to be Mr. Consistently Average. Another year of 50% consistency and top 15 points. Yawn. Now he leaves the confines of California for beautiful Indiana. No re- disrespect to the Indiana folks. He also goes from Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, and Hunter Henry to Marlon Mack, T.Y. Hilton, and Jack Doyle. Maybe that's a wash but I think you're going to see 50% consistency again. Um, and I think the same thing is going to apply to those players. I don't think you're going to see that much of an increase. I think Jack Doyle will return to where he was a couple of years ago. And again, kind of going to the cam rate Doyle's going to probably be a nice value. I like him because I think he'll be uh, kind of forgotten about, but a couple of years ago, you know, when, when uh, Andrew Luck was there, Doyle was putting up some good numbers before Ebron popped into play. So TY is TY. I think you'll you you'll get what you get, you know, 65, 70% consistency, his usual numbers. He'll be top 24, top 30. Uh Marlon Mack, you know, that's the thing is Eckler was a perfect scenario for for you know Rivers as a check down. Marlon Mack is not that. So my thought is uh Neheim Hines might be a better value there because he'll play more of the Austin Eckler role. Marlon Mack will be the old Melvin Gordon role when they were both there together. Hines might be the better value uh, later in the draft, especially in a best ball PPR. So that's my thoughts on the Colts. Yeah, I agree. I actually quite like Marlon Mack this year. I think a lot of people are 
uh, sleeping on him. And I think the value you can get him uh, in some of the, the drafts I've been doing, he's been around uh, round six, round seven. Mm, yeah, that is good value. I mean, the key with him is health and, and just staying on the field. When he's healthy, he, he's definitely a very good runner. But, man, he just can't seem to stay on the field. Yeah, that and that is a big thing. I'm more willing to risk that in round, round six than I am in round three, oh, round four. absolutely. Sure. Um, sure. But, yeah, I agree. And same with T.Y. He's, he's obviously uh, moving on a bit. But it'd be interesting to see who they get to go alongside T.Y. this year. Right. Because, um, you know, everyone's saying it's Paris Campbell. But he's very limited in what he can do. I'm not so sure. I, I, I think they might sign someone still in free agency. We're not, not quite yeah, sure. I, I think a guy like Brashard Perriman would be a good choice. That's the one too. I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. You know, bring him over from Tampa. You know, <clears throat> he's not going to see the field very much with as long as Godwin and 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 Evans are healthy. So I think Perriman would be a good add for them. Give him some yeah. veterans. Yeah, and especially we do know that Rivers can sling it, so you know right. that. You know he's he's going to have. I mean he's a boom or bust, but he, right. you know when when he's boom he's phenomenal. When he's when he's bust he's terrible. So right. yeah. perfect best ball player you could ask for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What about let's let's focus on Carolina here. So we've got Teddy Bridgewater. We know is the sort of check down king here. Mm-hmm. Um, does he become more fancy relevant now that he's going to start sixteen games? And, and where would you put him? And then are you worried about DJ Moore, uh, Christian McCaffrey? Uh, with the fact that he, you know, the average depth of target is round about the bottom of the league, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, obviously for CMC, that might not matter as much, but DJ Moore, maybe Curtis Samuel, for example. Yeah, I have to, uh, I, you know, pretty much everything I've heard, and I totally agree with is that, you know, I don't think anything changes for McCaffrey. He's going to see the same amount of passes um, <clears throat> with Bridgewater in place. But just, you, know, you just have to go back and look at his, uh, you know, body of work last year when he was starting for the, the Saints. I mean, Michael Thomas got a ton of targets, which probably will be either what Samuel or Moore will get. Whoever is more of the, you know, uh, possession receiver, slot receiver, it may see more targets. But um, he usually likes, you know, it appeared that Ridgewater liked to lock in on one guy and leave the other guy, you know, other people uh, like the tight ends and those completely ignored. Um, we'll just have to wait and see if they allow him to open it up. But they didn't allow Kyle Island to do that too often. So I have a feeling that both Moore and Samuel probably will take a hit. Uh, DJ Moore was certainly, more, uh, you know, had a great season last year. I, I, I'm expecting a little regression there. Samuel, maybe you come up a little bit if he can be more of a possession receiver like he's been in the past. So um, I don't see a lot of super fantasy relevancy from this group outside of probably McCaffrey. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to what was probably the biggest trade of free agency so far, I saw DeAndre Hopkins go to Arizona for nothing more than a, a hot dog. Uh, it seems <laughs> right. In terms of in terms of him moving over, who's going to suffer with him moving into this offense? Who, who's going to be losing some of that volume? And then also, does Hopkins still remain at the top end of the the wide receiver one tier, given what he's going to walk into in Arizona? Yeah, you know, I'm a little worried about Hopkins. I'm a little worried about um, that scenario because, you know, what a lot what I was looking at again doing the, uh, I, you know, like I said I've done the quarterbacks already and you know I what I talk about with Kyle Murray is like you know he had a great first half but basically after you know he pretty much went 50 percent consistent on the second half of the year because teams are starting to figure him out a little bit in fact 13 weeks 13 through 17 he went two for five um so uh, I'm a little worried about Kyle Murray the offensive line um you know 
you need time to get Hopkins open. Um, so, uh, you know, he, he likes to, you know, spread the field a little bit. So I think Hopkins is going to be okay, but I'm not sure if I feel like Hopkins now is that first round pick that he was when he was with Houston and you knew what you had there in that system. You, there were no other targets, you know, it was basically Will Fuller who played half a season, you know, uh, they got Kenny Stills who played, you know, it, there was nobody else other than Hopkins um, in, in, you know, um, in that scenario. Now you've got Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald all up in, you know, in this group, David Johnson now, or now David Johnson, you got Kenny Drake coming out of the backfield. So now Kyle Murray has more weapons. That's good from an NFL standpoint, might be good for Kyle Murray's standpoint, but with Hopkins and all of them, I wonder if they're all going to kind of cannibalize each other from a fantasy standpoint, um, you know, neither Kirk nor Fitzgerald were super great last year, even as fantasy players. I think Kirk and, and Fitzgerald were both around, you know, uh, you know, wide receiver 36, upper 30s, um, you know, decently consistent, but not great. I, I Again, I think they kind of all wash each other out. And I'm, I'm actually kind of a little bit worried about going with anybody in Arizona at this point until I kind of see some chemistry with the team. Um, you know, Hopkins was always a no brainer middle of the first round kind of pick. I'm not feeling hundred percent confident about that this year. No, I'm with you on that. I, um, so again, Kyler Murray was someone who I was targeting, uh, very early in the off season in dynasties. We got him in some good places. Um, and happy with what we paid. I do think he is this year's, uh, Baker Mayfield. I think he's someone who's going to massively jump up the boards i think he could be you know qb4 off the board oh yeah i mean i've seen yeah i've seen his adp and some things that have him at qb4 um you know i have him at fifth right now and i think he will benefit the most from the hopkins uh but i don't know if hopkins and the rest of that group is going to uh see that same numbers that they've had in the past well i'm just worried his adp is gonna gonna go too high yeah and will make me out of him because he was someone who if you're getting him in the eighth round, you're thinking, yeah, I don't like to take quarterbacks that early, but I think he could be a difference maker to where right. that could be worth moving up around to do it. Um, I see him going in the fourth or fifth now, and you're thinking, I just can't. I can't go that high. Right. Uh, he's going to be a difference maker. He's going to be a top 12, but he might even be a top six. But right. I don't know if I can. If he's going to be that much of a difference maker. We, we might live to rue it. But um, And I'm with you on Hopkins. Hopkins is someone I can't. I can't invest a first-round pick in that unless it's on the turn. So if I'm on right. the turn, I'd probably at that stage think I'll give it a go. Right, yeah. If he gets there and you've got the ability to take like Hopkins and Julio Jones or Hopkins and, you know, Ty- Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams, okay, now at least I could say he could play the wide receiver two role, and I'm okay with that. But yeah. to middle of the first, which, again, I'm looking at his ADP on Fantasy Football Calculator, he's at 107. Yeah, I mean, not, I I can't do that right now. Not until I see or hear a little bit more from uh, from that world. No, I agree. You know, preseason, and maybe I'll change my mind, and you know, we'll see a lot of great stuff happening. But right now, I'm a little 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 hesitant on that scenario. No, absolutely. And then looking at another big trade where uh, the inverse happened, and Buffalo gave up the entire farm um, for Stefan Dix. Does he? arrow up for Minnesota and then what does this mean for for John Brown and, and Josh Allen um you know I, I Stefan Diggs 
is one of those guys that I also look at the player's mental capacity as well as their physical capacity. And Diggs is one of those guys that I just feel like he's kind of like an OBJ where if he's not a hundred percent happy with what's going on, what, what, what they're doing for him, how he's benefiting in the offense. He seems to be kind of a whiner. I feel like, man, going from Minnesota where you had cousins, you had on the other side, you have Thielen, you have an offense that he should be doing well in and he didn't. Um, and then whined about it and complained about it. And then basically got finally let go and, and left to go to Buffalo why is that going to be any better in Buffalo? I mean, you know, they're, yeah, I mean, Josh Allen had a nice year, put you know, he's top 10 in both consistency and points. I think that's going to help Josh Allen because now he can spread the ball around. I think John Brown's going to take a hit. Certainly won't be 80% consistent like he was this past year. Uh, but on the other hand, John, Josh Allen and John Brown got a nice rapport going between them. So yeah. why would he screw up what he knows works to throw to Steph Diggs because Steph Diggs is a whiner. So I feel like that's just one of those cancer things that he's just going to come in and kind of cause problems like he did in Minnesota. Um, so I'm not high on that scenario. I mean, if John Brown has got wide receiver three draft ability, then I could get him there. I'll take him. I'm definitely not taking Diggs at all, probably, because I'm worried he'll, he'll be way too high. Um, and I just don't like the attitude. And I mean, I know you shouldn't draft based on attitude in fantasy football, but it makes a difference because if those guys don't want to play, then they're not putting up fantasy numbers for your team. And I don't want those guys. No, it's it's an interesting one because I don't, I don't, I'm like you, I don't get the fit. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. And I just like, I don't, I, he's, you know, for me, the best, the best thing that can happen to Stefan Diggs is he does what he did the last two seasons. That's his ceiling. Right. So for me, he is an arrow down because if if he does everything in his power to be as good as he can be with Josh Allen being as good as he can be, Mm -hmm. he's probably going to be as good as he was in the last couple of years. Right. So can't buy him in the fourth or fifth round knowing that he's narrowed down. If he slides to the seventh or eighth round, I might, I might punt him there thinking, okay, I'll give him a go because he could be someone that floats around 15th wide receiver, 14th wide receiver. Right. And you think, okay, I, I, I'll i take a punt. But yeah, I, I can't buy him at, in the fourth, fifth round that he's going right now because you just think he's just not, like you say, he's a one who's, there's no guarantee he's going to deliver. Um, Buffalo's an interesting one. I, I really am not sure. I, I'm quite comfortable investing in Josh Allen. If I miss all my primary QB targets, I'm in the 10th, 11th round. And Josh Allen is there. I'm quite comfortable taking him because of his running uh, rushing ability and he's mm. pretty safe he'd be he's gonna have some boom and bust but mm. ultimately if you've missed on everything and you're just looking to take a guy he's gonna be as good as any and he'll finish uh, he'll finish QB1 right I think the best value here is John Brown going in the eighth round yeah. as wide receiver 41 because if, if you'll definitely get RB or wide receiver three numbers out of him I mean basically he was almost number one you know, he almost had number one value this past year because I know his consistency was in the top 12. Um, his total good. points, I think, was maybe around 18th. But still, I'll take that. If he puts those numbers up again and, you know, um, and you're getting him as your wide receiver 42 or 41, that's yeah. great value. So that I that I like. <laughs> and, and the thing I like about John Brown is that 
he didn't get that many touchdowns last year because Josh Allen wasn't throwing a whole load. You know, he's running a lot of them in himself. Right. So right. he doesn't have a lot of regression to bake in. Okay. He might lose a few targets to Diggs and he, he might lose some yards, but mm-hmm. he was consistently, I think it was what over 10, 11 games to start the season. He was over 50 mm-hmm. yards. Um, yeah, him right, and Michael right. Thomas were the only two uh, that were, that were, were doing that. And I, I can't see that changing even right. if he is the, the wide receiver two on the team. Right. Um, he might lose a few touchdowns. That's fine. Um, but I'm like you. I think eighth round, ninth round, he's worth buying. Mm-hmm. Last situation to talk about is Todd Gurley going to Atlanta. The injuries have been well documented. He goes into a offense that, you know, didn't really fire last year, but on, on all accounts is a pretty good offense still. Mm-hmm. Do we think that we can see some return maybe not all the way back to 2018 Todd Gurley in that offense or do we think he is he is what he is now he'll get a few touchdowns on the ground but he's going to be remarkably inconsistent well you know this past year the Rams did a great job of managing his workload you know and at the end of the year he only missed one game which I think was week 17 that they took him out anyway so he didn't really miss any games that he you know by health uh, you know, he's 14th in total points, 11th in consistency, 73%. I think he can match those numbers. I, I think that's his ceiling now. But the key is, is that the Falcons have to keep that workload down, just like the Rams did. That's going to be the key. If the, if the Falcons go, hey, are you healthy? And he says yes, and they start giving him 20 touches a game, and that knee goes out, and now he plays, you know, great one game, misses the next ones, half-assed in the third, you know, rest of the kid. I mean, that's what's going to kill you. I mean, last year he gave you that. He gave you the numbers. It wasn't Todd Gurley of old, and I don't think it ever will be. But he gave you good enough RB two numbers because he played every game and he was good enough in those games to be seventy three percent consistent, which is nice. If you ask, if you're looking for more than that in Atlanta, you're, I don't think you're going to get it. I think the worst case scenario is they overuse him. He gets hurt, and now he misses two, three, four, five, six, eight games. Then you've basically wasted your pick. So that's kind of, I mean, it's a great team, and it's a great offense. It comes down to the team making that commitment to keeping him fresh. The problem is is that they don't have a good backup right now outside of Edo Smith. I think blew his leg out, so we don't even know if he's 100% healthy. So I would have to wait and see. Do they go get somebody in the draft, even if it's a third-round running back, to be more of the backup and use that fresh legs to keep Gurley fresh? If they do that, I think you'll, you'll get the similar numbers. He's worth an RB2 pick. If they don't do that, I'm a little worried. I don't know if I'll take a shot because I'm worried about the injuries being overwhelming for him and missing too much time. I'm just curious on who is going to make that decision. Because if it's right. Dan Quinn, I think Dan Quinn is someone who will take those things into account. Right. If it's Dirk Cutter, I'm not. Right. I've seen Dirk Cutter firsthand. I know what his coaching methodology I is. Tampa, yeah. Yeah, you, <laughs> right. just, you just go there and you, you do you. Um, I think the fact they've only given him a one-year deal tells me that they're going to run him. Um, right. And I don't see them going third round of the draft for a, a running back. I see them maybe right. going later maybe picking a guy up. Right. I see them going with Brian Hill and maybe right. Ito Smith if he's back. Uh, right, right. And whoever else, they're, they're just going to have guys. Um, right. And they're going to run Gurley. So I'm, I'm with you that I need that warning. Um, the only thing I'm not convinced about is I'm not convinced how bad this knee really is. Hmm. They keep saying the arthritis, the arthritis, the arthritis. You know, we, 
we all in some form probably have arthritis. Right. If you've ever broken <laughs> a bone in your body, I you can't bend have... his finger because of that. <laughs> <laughs> so I question over how much the, the problem with the Rams last year is they were really, really bad at not really communicating what it is. Right. And I think that's when teams come in and paid him. Mm-hmm. So he's the sort of player that could be fine. And actually mm-hmm. take a full workload and actually do a job. Um, and perhaps my, the Rams were too overcautious. Though, yeah, but yeah, but don't you think if that if he was really healthy, that they would just let him walk? That's that's what scares me. Is that well, they don't have the money to pay him. That's ultimately it. They yeah, got they, so many holes. Yeah, um, you know. So my thought is, you know, I, and I said this last year to people. If you had a bad MCL, a torn ACL, you can repair that and come back to 100%. You can't repair arthritis. It's there forever. It's just a management of the pain and the discomfort. So now it comes down to if you run this guy too much, like Cutter might, uh, you know, yeah. by game by week four, he's out for three games. You just wasted your RB2 pick. And so that's where I'm concerned is that arthritis isn't curable. It's manageable. No. And that's a big difference in, in the injury world. That's what scares me the most. Uh, I think that's fair. I think the one thing that we will be clear on is by, by week eight, we will know what is really up with Tom right. Gurley. Right. Is, is it as bad as everyone thinks it is? Or is it as everyone thinks it is? And I think that <laughs> right. we'll, we'll know because Dirk Cutter will, will tell us, um, um, the other thing with Dirk Cutter, and this is why I'd mark Gurley still a little bit cautious, is that uh, Dirk Cutter has ne- is yet to prove to me that he can scheme to get running backs big plays. Right. Because he couldn't do it with Freeman, that's for sure. He couldn't do it with Freeman. He couldn't do it with with Doug Martin. He couldn't right. do it with, you know, he could, you could say about Peyton Barber and all that, but you know, right, he had a Jones, huge right. amount of volume, Peyton Barber, in 2018. Right. And I think he, I, I don't know how he didn't get a thousand yard season given the amount of carries he had. Like that, <laughs> right. that says it all. And right, right, right. That's that's my biggest worry is more the coaching. Mm. But I was curious on that. So let's wrap up. Who do you think, based on everything right now, who, who's your one big winner and big loser from from free agency? I think the big winner is Tom Brady. Um, you know, he has done an amazing job with some of the lack of talent that's been around him for the last couple of years, getting him to the playoffs, getting him to the Super Bowls. Um, you know, now he has the talent that he had a number of years ago when he had Randy Moss and all those guys. And, you know, they were just lighting up the field with points per game. I think it was one of the highest total points for a year for a team. Um, so I think he's the biggest winner in that scenario. Um, again, I don't know if the rest of the team around him is winning from a fantasy standpoint, but from an NFL standpoint, the Buccaneers should should be a playoff team. I mean, that should make the difference. Um, so that's my big winner. I think the big loser, boy, that's a – I think basically the entire Chicago Bears team uh, <laughs> it's a big loser because when you have Mitch Trubisky who stinks and you think that your savior is Nick Foles and you not only trade for him, but you pay him all the salary coming over – Man, I sometimes think the Cleveland Browns do some dumb stuff, but man, come on, Chicago, what in the world are you thinking? Um, well, he did. He so. did restructure down, so he restructured oh, he? a little oh, bit. That's, 
A little bit. Okay. He basically, he's still getting 37 and a half over two years um, with the option to for him to void out. Right. So okay. he can void out after two years. Right. If he's not happy. Right. So, so those are, those yeah, are my two. Of- I mean, obviously the, the Texans were the other one with the whole stupid trade for, you know, D hop for DJ and a bag of rocks, but, you know, that, that doesn't surprise me because of other stuff they've done in the past. They're almost, they're almost right up there with the Cleveland Browns scenarios of, of some of the things they've done. And, you know, even though I think the Browns have had a decent, decent off season, I, I like the, the offensive line getting Jack Conklin. That was huge. Mm, um, big but, uh, you know, that, and that might hurt, certainly might hurt Tennessee and, and Derrick Henry too. So that's something we got to watch. So, um, you know, it's been an interesting one uh, preseason, I get, or uh, free agency, you know, it was exciting just to have stuff happen so that we didn't stare at a blank TV and watch Netflix for our entire lives. So, uh, but it's kind of cooled off. Like, I haven't heard any real impressive signing, not signings of anything in a while. So, no, I mean, the only one we got this week so far is, is Cam Newton getting cut. Right. And then I'm just checking, but yeah, I haven't seen anything over the last couple of days that have been yeah. significant. And I think the, 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 the things that are going to stop that are the medicals. Because these are the guys you probably want to do a bit more right. diligence on in terms sure. of in terms of that, and then on top of that, you've got the the, the lack of people making visits. You'd always have right. someone so's right. going to go and visit, right? Blah, 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 and we haven't right. got that this year, so yeah, they're going to be the big. But there's still some big names out there. We still got Jadavian Clowney. We don't know where he's going at the time right. of recording. You know, we don't know where. Uh, Robbie Anderson's going. We don't know where right. Jameis is going to end up. There's still some really big, right. big names out there. Um, so it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks uh, before the draft. Have you guys, you and uh, uh, Stocks, had any conversations of what do you think New England's going to do at quarterback? I mean, my thought is is that I don't think they're going to go after a big name like Cam or Winston. You know, I I, I think that they'll go with who they have. Um, they'll go and get what they feel is the best player in the draft for their, you know, at the quarterback position. Like I explained to people, I'm like, you know, Tom Brady was a sixth round pick. These guys know how to draft. Um, so, you know, I don't, I, whether Stidman or Hoyer is the answer, probably not, but at this point they're in rebuilding mode. I mean, they're going to start over. Um, you know, they've got Edelman, they got James White, they've got some, you know, players, but you know, they lost Brady and that's certainly the, the cog of the engine. But um, we also know that Belichick can do some magical things with with players who are not as talented as you know as people think they are. Um, they just just knows how to use them. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. But I, I think they get somebody in the draft, or you know maybe they'll get. I don't know. I see. I don't think they'll get Cam because I don't think they want that headache. I don't think they want that problem. Too much money, too damaged goods. I think they might take Winston of anybody because maybe they yeah. can fix him. You know, because he's he's talented. He's just makes bad choices when he throws the ball sometimes. I think it comes down to money. Right. I think ultimately they're going to be the sort of franchise that will say, we'll give you 15 million max right. top end. Right. And it's a case of, do you as James Winston swallow your pride and swallow your ego mm-hmm. to go and take that kind of prove it deal? Maybe you maybe get less, maybe get 12. Right. I would, if I'm and him, I would definitely do that. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think to you and me, that makes sense. But does right. he do it? I think you're right. right. I don't think they take Cam. I I don't know if Cam is. I don't think Cam is is there anymore as a starter yeah. in the NFL. Right. I don't think he can do 16 games anymore. I still think he's got something to offer. I still think he ends up on some form of team. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the Bears, I think, would be a great place for him. But until decided, I, you know, I don't really know what you do. Right. The one to watch for me is still Andy Dalton. Because mm. I think with Dalton, he's he is consistent. Right. You know what you're getting. And, right. and people rag on Andy Dalton, I think, a right. little unfairly. Is he the most exciting quarterback we're ever going to see? No. no. Is he ever going to sell tickets? No. But you know what he does? He just does the basics. He right. does the basics right. Yeah, he's he's a, a very good game manager. Exactly yeah. that. And, yeah. he, right. you know, you've lost the best of all time. Right. What is what is he going to cost you? Right. Yeah. A, a fifth-round sure pick, a sixth-round pick? Right. I'm sure he'd love to go to New England and have one more shot of doing something. His contract's not big. It's around <clears> 16, 18 million. It's, it's, it's manageable. Right. See, I think Winston will definitely go to Boston because he got all the crab legs you can get there. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, that is a lot of good crab there. I mean, it's... but I don't know if he could do the cold. Yeah. Well, that's I've true. seen him play yeah. the cold. It is bad. <laughs> uh, bad right. You know, that ball just takes off in the cold. So yeah, sure. um, it'd be interesting. I think that they're a team to watch. I think there's a few teams to watch out for. The, the Chargers with Tyrod. Do they right. really roll with Tyrod? Or well, are they going to get Herbert? Right. They have a low draft pick. They'll, they'll get a quarterback. They'll let Tyrod. I mean, that's what basically happened in Cleveland. Tyrod started for a few games. Then he sucked. And they put Baker Mayfield in. And away they went. So. Yeah, I actually do like Tyra Taylor. I think he's someone that can do a job. Yeah, I think he's a decent game manager. He's like Jacoby Brissett or any of those guys, you know, or, or even Bridgewater is a game manager. They're not going to set the world on fire, but they, you know, they'll make good, clean passes. They'll make good decisions, and they'll they'll help you win games. But they're not going to, you know, you know, throw four touchdowns either. So no, that's exactly it. Yeah. Well, as always, Bob, this has been an absolute delight. Uh, we'll definitely you get you yeah. back on um, when the guide is out. Right. When, you know, maybe around May time. Um, mm-hmm. I know you might get it out before, but we'll get you back right. on in, uh, right. you know, six, seven weeks or so. Yeah. We'll talk about the guide in more detail and uh, why folks awesome. should go and buy it because they should. It's brilliant. Right. Uh, absolutely Thank love you. it. And we'll do that. Um, but just for those that have been living under a rock or some of our new listeners that perhaps didn't hear uh, <laughs> right. your interview with us last year and might now go back and listen, hint, hint, um, where can they find you? Where can they interact with you and uh, find out a bit more about what you do? Basically two spots. Big Guy Fantasy Sports is always the spot where all of our articles, uh, the guide, the tools uh, to help you with your fantasy league, determine your consistent players are there. And, of course, Twitter, it's Bob underscore Lung. Uh, because if you do at Bob Long without the underscore, you're going to find some dude in England who who sells pigeons. He has three <laughs> followers. I kid you not. Look it up. He it's, it just has a picture of a pigeon or something about pigeons. And it, I'm like, uh, and he's got like three followers. He's never had any activity. So that's why I don't have at Bob Long. So there we go. Uh, well, maybe someone <laughs> might get it and then give it to you. I hope so. I, I don't know how you do that. I, I almost reached out to Twitter like, can I have this guy's Twitter thing? Because he's not selling any pigeons, obviously. Well, that's what happened with Five Year Rush. <laughs> so actually, yeah. when before I joined, um, Stocks was running it, and they had the handle at Five YRD Rush. Okay. Um, and then the Five Year Rush handle one day it became available. I claimed it and took it. Nice. And gave oh, it, good. Gave it to Stocks, and then we've inherited. So uh, we portal it over. So uh, I'm going to oh. keep an eye on it. I'm going to make an alert, and then. If it ever comes available, I'll claim it and I'll just transfer it to you and you can have there it. There you go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I think most people are used to the underscore by now, but you know. Well, you never know. It's actually, do you know what? If you pulled it across, it doesn't affect your follower account or your account in any way. Oh, okay. It That's just cool. literally changes. Um, so everything remains the same. It's just oh, the underscore okay. will basically remove. So it doesn't right. like start a whole new account. 
Oh, okay. You just I basically gotcha. merge it in and it changes to the new username. So Okay. Well, we'll, we'll uh, give it a shot. We'll keep an eye on that. So. But thanks <laughs> again will. for having me. Always a pleasure and look forward to coming back on. I'll get you a copy of the guide as soon as I get it done. I appreciate it. Look forward to, to receive that. And uh, Rush Nation, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure having someone like Bob on. Next week, we are going to hit our 200th episode. Oh, wow. We... Congratulations. Thanks very much. And we do have a very, very special guest. Uh, but you won't know until it goes out. So there you go. Um, <laughs> stay tuned for that. But until next time, keep rushing. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.